0: Choa, do i have a question for you today and i don't know if you're gonna be able to answer it. my question is what is a song that you like the cover of better so someone that took a song that you know made a cover and you like it better is there one that you like i can think of several on my end
1: yeah, because that's all you do is live and breathe music. I oh, know. <laughs> I live and breathe music, but I don't know if I pay attention to the Or just a cover doesn't. you like.
0: It doesn't have to be better than the original, I guess. That's a tall order. So just a, a song that was redone that you really enjoy the newer version.
1: I don't know. You're right. Uh, that caught me off guard a little bit. Um, yeah, you know, I, really, I listen to a lot of Christian music. And there's one that I like. Um, so... Somebody else did it. It's called "Honey on the Rock," "Honey in the Rock," and I like that song a lot. But there's one person that does it better, and it's uh, her name's her last name's Tally, Lauren Tally. She does it better than anybody. So that's one. But when it comes to music, my husband and I used to sit around and and just listen to like when he was down and sad, we would just sit. And YouTube fun songs, songs that were made us feel happy. And uh so You Make Me Smile is one that uh we ended up playing at his at his funeral because he just loved that one and he even requested that I play it because he thinks that it would make everybody smile. And it did. It's like uh, they have this big huge balloon you know, toss and water balloon toss. And I mean, at the end, the guy has to empty out his, uh, his, um, guitar. Cause it's just filled with water, <laughs> but anyway, and then, uh, you know, uh, so we, we would like, um, of course, you know, I, I'm in the eighties, you know that, right. You know, that I grew up in the eighties with journey and Van Halen and Led Zeppelin mm-hmm and you know i'm i'm from the old school but then i also let me tell you what i really like i like 40s music to What's be honest 40s music uh, well you know that's the the andrews sisters um i like them and i like big bands like the swing is swing music and uh with glenn miller and his band and so i i like music from all time periods jacob and all kinds now growing up i love country music i I will tell you that i like dwight yokum and he has a cover he does a cover from one from the 50s i think it was from the um beach boys right now i can't think of the name of it all of a sudden anyway either way i can't think of the names that's my problem i wasn't ready for this so can't think of names but i like his so he does a lot of covers and i like all of his covers um yeah and when i was younger i got to see elvis presley and he did a lot of covers like people wanted him to do their songs so he did a lot of covers Uh, like he did frank sinatra covers and made them bigger I love a good Frank Sinatra song. But I actually when I was younger, for one of my birthdays, my parents actually took me to see Elvis Presley. Like oh, I really oh. saw him in a concert. That was my first concert. That's a pretty Not big very one. many people can say that, I don't think. But anyway, it was mm. pretty big. It was a big deal. Every- and I got the I got the binoculars. They handed me the <laughs> binoculars right when he said, "I'm um I'm caught in a trap, suspicious minds." That one Dwight Yoakam redid. Mm. There you go. That's a cover. I'm trying to think of covers. So I like a lot of music, a lot of different types. And oh well, the other day I had some kids. They were trying to dance, trying to dance. They were. I got this one kid that's really good, and uh, he was doing stuff. And I went ahead and we emptied. It. You know, we we opened up a little space for him to do his thing. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to get along with the kids, you know what I mean? But anyway, just teasing and i said you want to see dancing and i actually tickle and we youtubed uh singing in the rain when they were doing all that dancing and the guy was going you know he ended up flying into a wall when it was all over but he was avoiding you know uh stage props and all kinds of stuff while he was dancing and it was interesting i thought they would think it was hokey or something and then next thing i know i looked out there and the, all the kids were even the, the kid that was uh usually misbehaving but i let him dance you know Uh, he was, they were just, they were like, Oh my gosh, what is this? And that's from the 50s. So I think I can cover something all the way from the forties to the, to almost now, not quite now. We wouldn't, I don't want to get too modern.
0: Yeah. You don't want (laughs) to do that. You know, you might be interested. You should YouTube some stuff. I love watching covers. I have some, what made me think of the question was, uh, I play drums to music all the time. It's how I like cope with things and how Mm -hmm. I practice and all that other stuff. But I love playing uh, the Metallica's cover of Turn the Page.
1: Oh, OK. Yeah.
0: Um, they made It's such a heavy version and awesome. And it's so fun to play if you want to beat the crap out of your cymbals. So that was one well, I thought of.
1: Well, you're bringing up Metallica. <laughs> you know, they're Sandman, right? Yeah, Isn't Sandman. It Sandman. And that's the one that starts off real slow, like... No, you're exactly. thinking well, of nothing else no, matters. No, nothing else matters. That's it. Mm-hmm. My son can play nothing else matters on the guitar.
0: Cool.
1: And when you take that song, nothing, of course, I, you know, because of my son loving Metallica, I may not know all the words. Or I recognize that it's Metallica when it plays. Let's just put it that way. But anyway, uh, nothing else matters. When you take and just listen to the guitar portion of that, it's, it's fabulous. It's a great, you know, cause he would sit there and just play it all the time. And I would, I would actually hang at his room. He doesn't, he, you know, when he would practice and I'd hang and he doesn't know this, but I would listen at his door and uh, listen to him play. Cause he didn't want to play and while well, he was learning something. He didn't want to play in front of others. So he sure. his doors if nobody could hear him, but I'd sit right out there and listen to him. But that's the one that he he covered with his guitar. I think it sounds great.
0: Man. Well, in that case, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Craft the Drive podcast. That's Pam with Trump. Jacob Chassay, and we're two educators down here in the state of Texas doing what we love, talking about reading, writing, workshop, and pretty much everything in between. It's a weird time in a lot of ways, and we're addressing a lot of things on this show the last uh, <laughs> several time. If you're hearing this, you are... Uh, Hearing it late because we've had some issues, but that's okay. We're here now, and we are only here because of our wonderful supporters who support us over there on Patreon and our subscribers. So thank you, whether you are a free listener or someone that – Spends some of your hard-earned cash To make sure that we can keep the lights on And everything else Those people who do that are wonderful And there's more this time We have Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Sarah, Rebecca, Courtney Carol, Nelissa, Destiny, Lori, Natalie, Susan, Tracy, Andrea, Hannah, Lori, Jen, Matt, Amanda, and Donna Our latest Patreon supporter Hopefully she is navigating everything wonderfully let us know donna if we can help you out we love everyone that comes over there they get bonus episodes no one else hears they get bonus access to training our craft and draft demo videos and so much more so if you want that if you like this podcast and you dig it go support us over if you can't do that no worries we understand teacher budgets are tight subscribe leave review those things help us out just as much but let's get to the conversation already ochoa Here's the thing. I'm not going to do any of that intro for Teach Me Teacher, but this is going to be a Teach Me Teacher crossover episode. Okay. Um, to hopefully maybe get some people over here into the Craft and Draft world. So this is going to be a nice little uh, detour for the Teach Me Teacher audience. Nothing changes for us. We're going to treat it like a Craft and Draft episode. But, you know, I thought it'd be nice to kind of pull some stuff over, see if we can uh, entertain some people with our conversation. And this might be a timely episode that I think is worthy of a Teach Me Teacher audience and the Craft and Draft audience as well. But we're going to be talking a little bit about... Working through tough times We're talking about like personal tough times I mean I guess we could broaden it to like Different <laughs> tough times because we've all you Everything know, is tough yeah, I know the world is a horrible place sometimes But I, I think it's difficult For a lot of people to handle that You never know what life is going to throw your way You never know when you're going to get a curveball When you're going to get hit by the ball You don't know when your bat's going to break Like I mean Let's let's extend that metaphor for a while, right? It's there's there's a thousand things that can go on. You've uh, been through some tough times. I've been through some tough times and there are I just I don't know. I think this is a interesting time to do that. I think a lot of people get to this point in the year and it can be difficult for a number of reasons. But I mean, I don't even really know where to go with this to start. So I guess I can just ask a question, Ochoa, which is like do you find it hard to focus on work during tough times or do you find that work is a distraction?
1: Well, I mean, I, maybe it's a distraction. I don't know. It seems like uh, with me every time when I was younger, let's just go back to before I became a teacher and my parents are teachers as everybody should, you know, who's been listening would know. But my mother told me that if I ever wanted to be a a mom, that I needed to uh, make sure I I go to school. And being a teacher is a really great thing if you want to be a mom because of the schedule. Uh, Of course, both my parents would sponsor teaching as a career because it's what they chose to do. And so it just seemed natural that I would, would do that. But one of the things she said was, you don't ever want to be dependent on anybody because you want to be able to make it on your own because you never know what's going to happen. And so her advice to me was finish school before you go and do anything else and make sure you have your career set. And And I did, I, I did do that. And thank goodness I did. Thank goodness I listened to her because uh, just a few years after I started teaching, my first husband didn't want to be around me anymore, which is, <laughs> he said that I was a coach and uh, my my schedule was a bit much. So, you know, he didn't quite know what he got in, himself into. Uh, so I think then, though, I always had to have my job because my tough times have been more of about can the person I, I live with support me or not? And so then later on in life, I, I got remarried and uh, and then that husband got sick And so I always prioritized with the fact that no matter what happens, I have to have my job because I ended up with three children and I had to raise them. And then I also had a husband who was sick for 12 years and couldn't work. So when you're, when you, when you deal with those things, my work became my priority and, and I think it became my priority because it was my way to ensure that everybody else in my life was stable and so it, that's kind of how I addressed it in my mind. Um, did I, you know, did I have issues during that time and try to teach? Uh, maybe I would just stay up late. I mean, I, I think that's probably why, you know, I would take care of my family, take care of my house. And then once I did that, then I would stay up, you know, later and get everything done. Uh, during all that time, I got my master's and all kinds of stuff. So. Um, I've just been one to throw myself into work. I still do. And, um, I, I, I think my parents have a strong work ethic. I mean, they, they're always working even now they do some amazing things. And I think, uh, because of my role model, I've just always done it that way. I mean, I was just one, I'm just glad I followed my mom's advice. So I don't know if I'm I'm using it as a distraction, but I always used it as a means to make sure that I could take care of those that I loved.
0: Yeah. I, And that that's the thing, like when I, so for people who are familiar or unfamiliar with my story, like, you know, I grew up in a house that was always in chaos and there was always problems. And as I got older, it became, I guess, more of a burden, right? Because... I'm trying to navigate everything and trying to, uh, make it out, you know, as a high school student and, and figure that piece out. So once I started working, uh, that's all I focused on because it was like, I knew money was my way out. Right. Like I knew, like I had to work and go. And I, I remember there was like this pivotal conversation. It's kind of weird to talk about, I guess, but I, was like 17 my mom I was living with my mom and her boyfriend who were on again off again and like over and over and over again and they were about to be off again but I had like a few months left of school and I remember pulling him aside and I said look I know like y'all's problems are y'all's problems but I need you to just like hold tight until I can like (laughs) graduate and leave right like that was essentially the conversation I had and he was like, okay, like, you know, like we, it was like this little pact, but like doing that as a teenager and then working and then moving out and everything, it was, I, I think like it always instilled in me this, this drive to just keep going and like not letting things break you down to the point to where you can't keep pursuing like the key pieces. Like you can't, uh, keep making money and keep showing up to work. And and truthfully, like, I think that's where my love of work came from. I, I liked work before that. like my dad used to take me to like jobs on site. He was an air conditioning guy and like mm-hmm. they would take lunches and I would still like go tinker. Like, I didn't know what I was doing all the time. Right. And I, but I tried to be helpful and I tried to be useful and I always liked, just kind of dedicating myself to a problem and work is kind of a problem, right? You're, you're problem solving all day at work. Now, you know, when I'm a cashier, it's, you know, it's not only that, but you still are right. You're problem solving, you know, with customers, you're, you know, you're doing all that stuff. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting to me and it was always like a healthy distraction. And then that just turned into like, once I, you know, found my career in teaching and education, that passion for work just, uh, just increased because now it wasn't just like the passion for work; it was also I cared about the work on a really big level, and I became obsessed with it. And it was it was just like uh, a re- a a positive perfect storm, so to speak, and. It was it's it's always just really fascinating to think about it because a lot of people I've talked about you know like balancing like the work life balance and stuff, but I've always found that like when i'm hardcore working when I'm into my work and and really feel like I'm making progress. I feel like it makes me a better person. And so for me during rough times, it's like, I need to work. It's like, I need to, I need problems to fix. Like even at home, like if I'm like, let's say like I'm off work or whatever, it's like, okay, I got to clean, right? I gotta, I have to, (laughs) I have to take on an issue. And so it, it, it's like this, I don't know. I see it as, it's just kind of my process, so to speak. Um, and I don't know. I I find it interesting that like I know everyone's different, and I don't I don't think either answer is better. But I don't know. I'm also kind of like a tortured artist, which I hate to say because it's so cliche. But like I think I do my best creative work when I am not happy. You know what I mean? Like because that's how I mm-hmm. that's how I fell into the love of making music. You know, when my family would fight, I would go out into the garage, turn on Lincoln Park, and play you know, for an hour, hour and a half on the drums or whatever. And Mm -hmm. so that's, that's literally how I became who I am artistically. And then later that turned into writing and everything else. And so, um, there's a piece of me that's like it, like the two fuel each other. And it's not like I want bad times, but like when I have them, it's like, I, I've just had these like mostly healthy ways of coping with stuff. And so, It's hard to, it's hard for me to empathize with people who don't necessarily see it that way. Not because I don't want to empathize, but just because it's, it's like a foreign concept to just like shut down, as so to speak. You know what I mean? I don't know. I feel like I'm talking in circles.
1: Oh, no, I do. As a matter of fact, my, my mom just the other day, of course, you know, y'all know I talk about them all the time, but my mother, she actually thanked me the other day. She, I don't know who she was talking to, but she was talking to somebody and I guess, my my mom let's just go here my mother's one of these people that she's like you know what yeah it happened it's time to cry now get over it it's now get up and go <laughs> and so so you know that's how she always was with me but she thanked me the other day she said i just want to thank you for all these years being able to deal with stuff i mean i just i had no idea how good that was for me that you could deal with stuff. But I think she's one of the reasons why I could deal with stuff. my dad too. Um you know, for example, one time I I sprained my ankle. The biggest fight my parents ever got in was when my dad took the crutches from me. <laughs> he told me I needed to walk because, you know, uh debords walk, you know, the boards walk through it and, you know, no pain, no gain kind of attitude. And so um, and, and I get to school that day and the trainer's like, oh, it's not as bad as it. And then he takes the shoe off and he goes, oh my word, why are you walking? And I'm like, well, cause my dad told me to. And so it's just, but I think because of that, it makes, it made me tougher. Does that make sense? Cause I think my dad grew up on a farm and you know, when you grow up on a farm, you just, you, the cows need to be milked. Right. I mean, you can't just you get up at four in the morning because the cows need to be milked there's no if ands or buts about it you just get up and go or you don't or you don't make a living so it's just kind of that's the attitude i was i was raised with so so i think uh sometimes and another thing that I think helps me too, if I, when I'm going through some difficult times is I turn that instead of thinking about the times I'm going, I mean, I still have to go through them and, and I do talk about them to others, but, um, but it's what can I do for somebody else? And I think that's where teaching is really good for these types of things because, mm-hmm these kids, some of them have it really rough. I mean, a lot of them have grown up kind of like what you're talking about with your own situation. Very few have grown up in my situation. Uh, and that, that means that my parents are still together. I mean, they're, they're in a month, they're going to have their 60th wedding anniversary. So, I mean, that says something, you know, and, and that's just how they are. And, and, uh, so very few people really, I think have, you you know what I mean? Have, been able to say both my parents and I'm still with them and all that so sure. I don't understand that part but I have been on my end of it I my marriage I'm I'm not married right now you know so I can't say the same for me but um one of the things that I do is I I look at this as a way of helping others does that make sense like if I get I, if I'm if I'm so involved in my own, woe is me, then I'm no good to anybody else. So what I try to do is take, you know, who can I help today? And then it gets my mind off of myself. And I go and help other people. Because I guarantee you, all you have to do is turn the corner and there's somebody in a worse situation than you're in. And they need more help or something like that. So if I'm always, I I try to I just try to, I I feel like God puts me in places, if you will, so that I can help those who, who need to be helped. And they, I use my experiences to do so if I can.
0: A hundred percent. Like I, with, I, I mean, that's, that's like why I think I fell in love with teaching because it was, you know, as a kid, I didn't really understand why the things happened to me. Right. Or not to me, but like why I went through stuff and why mm-hmm. I had to see what I saw as a kid and why I had to see abuse and drug abuse and experience it in a bunch of different ways and experience kind of psychological abuse and, and all this other stuff. And none of it really made sense. And it made me jaded and angry and uh, upset all the time. And, I you know, I, and I eventually I channeled that into music and stuff. But that stuff was like, I mean, that that weighs on you forever. And it still does. But when I became a teacher, it was like, oh, I can – it's like I can use this information and this feeling and my knowledge of what some of this stuff is and like from a firsthand experience to help other people and to educate people who don't know, to, to have an empathetic ear when a kid – is making all seemingly all the wrong decisions in their life, but because they're going through stuff. Like I've been there, I have I have made plenty of of dumb decisions to to cope with things, and as a kid and uh, and as an adult. But it's when you that's kind of like the the biggest upside to anything is you don't you really don't know how to cope in life unless you've gone through stuff. Like there's really no shortcut mm-hmm. and. Like, you can read books about it, you can listen to people talk about it, you can watch TED Talks, but you don't know unless you're there. And that's kind of the the crappy part about life, right? Like, you don't know how to win until you failed. You don't know how to pursue unless you've ever given up, right? Like, you... Like, I mean, to take this to a literacy standpoint, right, to really bring it back to, I guess, the topic of a of crafted draft is like you know, it's the same thing. Like when a kid looks at a blank piece of paper, if they've never if they haven't ever filled up a piece of paper because they wanted to, they have no idea what that concept is. And so when you look at a kid and you say, hey, all right, we're going to fill up a page and they've never wow. gone through that process, it's it's like. Asking them to do nothing, right? It, you you can't get them to that point. Or when you ask a kid, it's like, okay, now we're gonna read a novel. But if the only novels they've ever read, are what has been read to them, or like in a in a read aloud or something like that, it's they there's ebbs and flows to reading that you only get by doing it. And so it's like experience is the greatest teacher, and the only way to get experience is to live. And a lot of experiences are bad. And so like I think sometimes it's easy to dwell and it's easy to become miserable and it's easy to find other people who are miserable and just stay in that space and, and kind of live within, uh, your pain. Right. And I'm not saying ignore it, but I think it becomes really easy to, to not make it a healthy piece. And so for me, like, I really liked your idea of like just flipping the script and being like, okay, so who can I help now? Like, what can I do to, to be helpful? Like, yeah, I'm in misery right now or I'm mm-hmm. suffering, but what can I do for somebody else? And that's such a powerful stance. I think another good stance is like, what am I learning right now? Like, what is this teaching mm-hmm. me about life? What, what, what am I gaining from this really crappy experience? And I think, that's hard to do. <laughs> I think both of those stances <laughs> are hard to do, right? Because it's just times can be difficult. Like we've uh, people it's it's life is a is a complex thing and it's not the easiest to navigate all the time, but kind of divorcing yourself from the emotion, I think is, is an interesting task. I mean, what if in your times like that, like, how do you, how do you get checked out of that? I know you've mentioned like your family, you know, have, they're like your constants of like, all right, it's time to get to work. It's time to go walk. Oh, yeah. Right. But yeah, like, other than that, right. For people that might not have that, like me, like, I don't like, I have a, a few close friends and pretty much no family members that I speak to on a regular And so a lot of it has been me um, and it's difficult at times. So for, for people in my situation, right. For people that don't have really uh, rocks to, to lean on, so to speak, how, what do you suggest as a way to kind of not, not forget, but disconnect long enough to have a healthy perspective?
1: Well, first of all, um, through through some of my most difficult times and, and I've had a few um you know my uh, I was just thinking a second ago and this might not answer your question but I remember one of the when I wrote my husband's obituary and you know that was a pretty tough time I won't lie and uh but one of the things that I put in there because he was sick for a long time and I put in there he fought hard to live and I think sometimes we have to do that. we just have to fight hard to live and um and then and then another thing too is it's typically well, I'm just gonna my my son, I can't say too much about him, but some of the stuff he's gone through I, I asked him, I said, how do you how do you do what you do because he's been in some trainings that I would never sign up for and i'm like how do you do that mentally and he's like well mom i always know it's going to end i don't know when it's going to end but i know it will end and so as long as i can persevere until it ends then i'll i'm going to be okay and of course i have to i can't i can't not talk about you know i i'm very strong in my faith and so i lean 110 on that and um and so the more i go through the more faith is built but um but i will say me personally it's okay to cry okay it is and uh and i typically go in my car and i go drive to a parking lot <laughs> where nobody can find me and i just boo like a baby and i'll put on a song that will make me cry so that yeah double know, down so <laughs> i double down on it but i make sure i'm in the safe place before i do that i'm gifted in the sense that i can stop the tears and then go and just let it go uh I, you never not don't want to cry i will tell you that that the there are two three moments. I know of maybe four four moments um I don't remember my divorce I I do know that when he wanted to leave my heart was broken and I do know what that feels like and it does feel like a heart attack and that's all I remember there but when my husband died and when I made my B (laughs) college course (laughs) because I wanted an A and the stupid computer broke (laughs) And I, it said, well, if you had turn this in on time, I lost like a thousand words. I had to go back and get all those words since so I couldn't get them all in time. So I turned it in uh, t- uh, 16 hours late. So they took points off. I got a 92, would have had a 95, but they gave me a 92 because they couldn't. And okay, so that one, I'll just talk about that one for a second, because that was during my master's and I was trying so hard. It was this huge project, as we all know, when we have to write those long theses and all that stuff. And I'll, and my computer, something happened and I I truly lost the words and I couldn't, it's, you know, it didn't have that automatic save back then, right? Like in Google will save it for you. Well, no. Yeah, I lost all those words. And uh I I I mean, I think I stayed up for 24 hours just trying to get everything said back, you know, put back in there and and uh anyway, I turned it all in and I got my B, but I, even before I got that B, which was a ninety-two, I just want to let everybody know <laughs> it was a ninety two. I would have had a, a ninety-eight or something on there, but they said you know, it was late. But anyway, the minute I turned it in, I was so devastated that I didn't because I had a perfect record. Like, I mean, it was like perfect. I did everything. And I, and of course, my husband, this was I mean, my husband had just gotten sick and all this kind of stuff. So anyway, the funny thing is, is I cried for a week. I cried for a week. We could be sitting there at lunch. And the tears would be falling and there was nothing yeah. I could do. The tears would just fall. And I just thought, you know, I can fight this or just let them fall. But I kept doing everything. I mean, I went and I mean, I was right in the middle of school and they were still falling. So anyway, my husband went and got me a car. <laughs> he bought me a car hoping that that would help my tears to stop falling. <laughs> it didn't. They still fell. But anyway, and then when when he passed away, I, I think I cried for months. So it's okay to cry because it lets, it's, it's a great stress release and just let yourself do it. But here's the deal. You don't want to stay there. Does that make sense? You want to keep going. And so get you a good cry and they go, okay, I'm done. Get you a nice, happy song on. If you have a, you know, if you have a faith that you believe in, then I would turn to that and I would, get on with life and that's, and find somebody to help. And that's pretty much how I deal with it. So, um, and then of course I, I have keep my friends close.
0: You know, it's so interesting. I've always like, I talk about this in teach me teacher a little bit, but it's not a secret that I struggled with faith and in a lot of different ways. Um Not so much these days as I did, but I never really had that. And so a lot of my conversations or a lot of my times have been, I've I've felt alone in a lot of ways and I didn't have a lot of people around me and people that I couldn't lean on. And still to this day, I get that way. Um, And it's, it's a weird experience because that's what, that's where like my love of like the arts come from. Like my, my passion for writing, my passion for music is because those things have always kind of been there. And like, to this day, like if things are going wrong, like I'm listening to music over and over and over and over again. And just like being in that world. And because it's, it's what I did. Like when I was a kid, uh, there was, uh, there's a lot of Christmases where I was alone, but there was one particular that I remember where my, I don't know where my parents went. They, they went somewhere. Uh, my cousin's all left who I would usually be around and so I was with my grandma and grandpa at their house <laughs> for like two weeks mm-hmm. um, and there was no presents, no tree, like it was, it, I was just there alone and all I did while I was there was uh, play Mario because they had an old school Nintendo, I'd play Tetris against my grandma actually which was really fun Um, and then I would listen to music that's all I did over and over again. And I'd write like, that was really like one of the most productive times of me writing as a young teenager. So I'm like maybe 15 at the time, 14, 15. Um, and I would write because my cousin and I would make music. And so I would just sit there and, you know, turn on whatever I was listening to at the time, Corn, right. Uh, Lincoln Park, Seether, Breaking Benjamin, like, you know, all these like rock and roll bands that were at the time. And I, uh, I was writing, 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 writing. And these notebooks, and then it was. So I've always had that, and I've always been jealous of people that have like other outlets. You know what I mean? Like I've always, <laughs> I've always been jealous of of people who had faith and and like in, in a really tangible way. Uh, and this has been interesting. And so I've always had sympathy for people that don't have those things. You know, books eventually mm-hmm. uh, became. Uh, Something that I turn to a lot These days it's actually really hard for me to read If I'm stressed or Have anxiety and stuff It doesn't relax me the way it used to Which is kind of weird And I don't know if that's like a symptom of being an adult But it's like the moment Because it's almost like I feel guilty It's like I can turn on like a Like a a game on my phone or, you know, on the PlayStation or something like that. And I can, that can distract me, but it's like, if I'm sitting there reading, it's, it's like, it doesn't distract my brain enough these days. And that's been like that. Honestly, it started in COVID, which was really weird. Like when COVID hit, like I was like, Oh, I'll just stay home and read. But I couldn't, like I was, you know, I mean, think of like those heightened days where like everyone was really unsure about what was going to happen. Like when everything really shut down, um, there were, uh, oh, yeah. It, it was so, it was, it was just concerning. And so I sat there and like tried to read and I just couldn't. And like, ever since then, like I really still can't if something's wrong or whatever. And so that's, that's been a weird like loss. It's like, I can only read if I'm really happy. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of disturbing to me because it wasn't always like that. Like I used to <laughs> like my mom and dad, like when they would fight or when she would fight with her boyfriends or whatever, She would, like, take me to Barnes & Noble, spend, like, 120 bucks, you know, on books, and then I would go in my room and just read and read and read while all the chaos was happening. And that was, like, my—that was my out for a real long time, especially when I didn't have a drum set, because there was a period where I couldn't play drums, and I could just play my acoustic and stuff, but I wasn't good enough at acoustic for it to be an outlet, so (laughs) it's like— (laughs) <laughs> like I, I i hadn't developed that piece of me yet so i didn't mm-hmm. now, now these days i can i can pick up my guitar and it, it gives me the same release but um i don't know it's been a weird loss have you has there been something like that to where you like something that used to work and now it doesn't
1: yeah i don't i don't read for pleasure anymore like i used to i mean Isn't i used to could get in a book and stay for hours in it but i'm like you i'm I think it's because I always have something else I've got to do. And if I, if I stay there too long, you know, I don't know, but I don't know if that's a loss for me. I don't think that was ever an outlet for me. I just like doing it. Does that make sense? Um, no, I don't know. I, I, I tell you, I, I call and, and, and talk to people that I love, but, um, it's, it's dwindling, uh, that people that I can call, um, A lot of people that I called are no longer with us anymore. So that's kind of a weird thing. Um, so, my phone calls are a lot limited than they used to be because I used to call to check on people. But really, I was probably taking care of me just as much as I was checking on them, you know, just uh, whatever. I mean, I'll, I'll call like my aunt and stuff, but, you know, like you mentioned your grandparents, I'd always call my grandparents and they're not here, you know. So, over time, there are some things that just kind of disappear, just not the same, especially if you did them with somebody and they're no longer, longer there. And I do think maybe, being stressed out and stuff, you know, can keep you from enjoying things. Um, But as I began earlier, my husband and I, we would just sit, when we were getting kind of a, one of those moods or whatever, we would, we would listen to fun songs, uh, walking on sunshine, you know, those types of things. So all from the fifties, you know, you make me happy or whatever. And all those types of things. So we would, we would just, come up and try to come up with songs that you know a minute ago like we did so we did a lot of that and that i i don't i still do i just do it by myself now but turn i turn a lot to music i I was another thought that happened too is you know talking about that heartbreak a second ago i had um a student not a few years back she walked into the room and she was sad and uh, it was at the passing period and she got there a little bit early and she said, "Miss Ochoa, have you ever had your heart broken? And I said, I have actually. And she said, I was just wondering because my mom's heart is broken right now and I don't know how to help her. And so you never know in teaching what that child's going to need. And so I was able to talk to her a little bit i didn't talk about my situation so much but you know just ask her well how how what do you think you know just listen to your mom just be there for you know that kind of thing but um and i know this because i've been through it too so it's kind of you never know what these kids are gonna ask and i can't tell you there's been um over the years over the years um I remember one time I, I had a kid in like sixth grade and I remember talking to the student. She was having a hard time. Uh, I had a co-teacher. So i the co-teacher was in, you know, stayed in the room and I, I pulled her out and I remember talking. Um, I, th- I think she was in a very serious way and she just asked me some things. And I I just remember talking to her at the, at the locker. Well, anyway, fast forward about, Six years early later, she's a senior, and I'm just happened to be at the high school where she's at. She runs across the hall to me, you know, gives me a hug, and she said, Do you remember when you talked to me at the locker? It made all the difference. So you just know, you know, you never know. But it's okay to let, I think, let kids know you're real. I don't think they need to know all the intricate details. I mean, that's I think you can share too much, but I think it's okay for them to see that. you've gone through a few things too. And, but you don't, you don't start out that way. I only do that if they come and ask me in those situations that, you know, what, I don't know what to do, Miss Ochoa, you know, that kind of thing. And I'll let them know. And then of course, I, I always send them to a crisis counselor because they're trained. Uh, if it's deals with something extremely heavy, you know, you know, I got, so. I got two things. It's mm-hmm.
0: like a, I guess a capstone to this. One is I, I want to round back to what you said real quick about uh, you know the this too shall pass, right? This nothing nothing yeah. stays forever, good or bad, right?
1: It'll end. Mm-hmm.
0: And so I think I think that's that's a good sobering thought. It doesn't help necessarily, but it does <laughs> give you perspective, right? that Mm -hmm. things you know you're not the first person to go through something you're not the last person to go through it like you said earlier uh, turn the corner you'll find someone that's suffering more than you are for a million worse reasons and so Mm -hmm. you know your your mileage may vary but I think that's a really sobering thought that is useful but my last thing is and I this is honestly I think the core of what I do often and my advice to anyone who's listening to this and they've been nodding or they're struggling or whatever is facts are sobering pay attention to the facts of whatever it is that's happening right and, and the facts of what you can control and the facts of the things that you can't control and and be mindful about what all of those are and it's really hard when things are bad because we live in emotion and we're responding to emotion and emotion can be all consuming and and torture you in a lot of ways And so I guess my advice to anyone who's listening to this and they're struggling or they're trying to survive or whatever it is that they're doing is what are the facts and and what do those facts tell you should be your next move? It might not even be moving. It might just be holding on until uh, the next phase. for the the next chapter so to speak and so I, I think that's like I, I go back to that often I, I do that in my work too though too it's like all right chaos is happening what are the facts like what do I need to do <laughs> in this situation in order mm-hmm. to just kind of move forward because it's so easy to be consumed by all the little details but at the end of the day um, facts don't lie and you you just kind of have to stay with that and move forward. But that would, that would be my capstone. I don't know if you want to add to that. If you want to add your own little two cents before we close out tonight.
1: Well, um, seek help if you need it. And, um, it's okay to cry again, but I'll, but don't stay there. I don't stay there. And then sometimes you, you mentioned having to move. I, one of the things that I've noticed, is that a lot of times people are like, oh, I just can't, I I can't deal with this here. I've got to move somewhere else. And I think sometimes staying is probably the best thing because moving, however you're feeling, it's not going to take away the feelings. It's not going to take away those things. I mean, unless you really have a, a real reason to move, like what you're talking about, the facts are you're trying to move up to a new position. You're trying to become an administrator. You're trying to you know, your, your spouse is moving and you need to go with them, but don't always look for a way out. Sometimes just look for a way through. And, uh, anyway, that's, and always listen to a happy song. Cause it will bring, you can't listen to a happy song and not feel better at the end. You just can't.
0: Man, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the craft to drive podcast slash teach me teacher podcast. Might as well. Add them both. I hope you enjoy this as much as we did. That's Pam Choa. I'm Jacob Chastain. If you're new here, either to Teach Me Teacher or Craft the Draft, subscribe. It's wonderful. If you're over here, you're checking out Craft and Draft after doing this. I highly hope you do. We got a lot of stuff. If you love literacy, love longer conversations, uh, that's what Craft the Draft is all about. So whether you're a Teach Me Teacher fan, Craft the Draft fan, or a fan of both, thank you for listening. And shout out to the Craft and Draft Patreon supporters. They get bonus episodes, bonus access to training, and so much more. And they are Alicia. Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Sarah, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, and Alyssa, Destiny, Lori, Natalie, Susan, Tracy, Andrea, Hannah, Lori, Jen, Matt, Amanda, and Donna. They support us over there just like you can. But like I said, if you can't do that, don't worry. Subscribe to both podcasts, leave a review for both podcasts, and come back next week for another wonderful episode. Craft and draft post almost every single Friday. Teacher, teacher <laughs> post every single Monday. Thank you for listening. And know that we are here for you. And for my Teach Me Teacher fans, and as always,
1: have a good one.